I am incredibly disappointed in you guys. And I'm the one who just did not do a podcast two days in a row. Some of it was just lack of things to discuss on my end. I'm sure I could have found something, but I don't want to waste your time just rambling on. I ramble on enough. And then yesterday was supposed to be mailbag day. I got caught up with errands. I've got some... uh, Had a horse-related emergency. I know that for those who don't know me or know anything about whatever, that sounds very nefarious. But nonetheless, that's what happened. Um, But nonetheless... Mailbag is back to Friday as it's been. Um, Still, I am disappointed because I called for questions for the mailbag on Wednesday afternoon. Granted, I didn't retweet it. I didn't ask them to keep coming. I come back thinking like I'm going to have way too many because I let this sit for so long. I have six questions to respond to. That's that's just sad, guys. That is just sad. I thought, like, all right, wake up early Friday morning. Let's knock this out. This is the earliest I've ever recorded a podcast. By the way, shout out to uh, Genius Sleep Aid because I'm actually like wake sleeping and waking up rested for the first time in maybe a decade. Uh, but. Uh, Yeah, really disappointed, though. Nonetheless, we will do two segments answering your questions, and then I want to talk about transfers because Ron Johnson uh, announced yesterday that he is transferring to Rutgers. And I know that there's a lot of people out there saying things of that, and I didn't see this yesterday, but, like, I know there's a lot of people out there saying, like, you know, it's an institutional problem and it's an issue with Harbaugh. Why are there so many people transferring? I'm going to go through the list of everyone that's transferred in the last... We're going 2016 class and forward. People who have left the program or transferred. We're going to discuss... We're going to run through the list, and and then I have a point to make when we get to all of that. All right? Uh, Regardless, um, forgot to mention, uh, this is the Lockdown Podcast... uh, Lockdown Wolverines Podcast, rather. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverine's Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And uh, this uh, this whole deal is, and I have the wrong thing up, so give me a second. Technology, man. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate. Like your friend's trip, book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. All right. Um, so this is going to be fun. I'm going to be flipping back and forth between these two windows, um, which is not open office is what I use by the way, like, cause I don't have Microsoft word. Normally it works awesome, but like for some reason it has not worked that awesome on my computer. It just like sits there and spinning gears a lot, which is like the only program that does that on this computer. It's bizarre. Um, all right. Anyway, let's get right to the questions to the leaders and best starting with James Crudup, uh, as always, if you could choose a five-star, can't-miss prospect to commit to Michigan, what position would you choose that player to play aside from quarterback? Uh, I think that's probably pretty easy. I'd pick defensive end. Now, I know that doesn't always look the same, and I know there's a lot of people out there that are naysayers about Rashawn Gary and his production at Michigan and whatever. And, you know, if you turn to the local radio station, there's a certain shock jock that likes to act like uh, 
Rashawn Gary didn't do anything, which is complete and utter bull. Weirdly, like, Pat Caputo's been the one guy on 97.1 that's been, like, if you watched what he actually did, he was amazing. Like, if you watch what Michigan asked him to do, he was amazing. The problem is people weren't watching. It, it's, it makes a much better narrative, especially for MSU fans. Now, I don't know why Doug Karsh doesn't uh, doesn't give Rashawn Gary more credence. He's there on the sidelines. He's there with me. He sees the, you know, the attention he gets and all of that. But uh, we've talked about this a lot, you know, like the, he gets he gets uh, lambasted for no reason just because people thought he was going to be J- uh, Jadavian Clowney and he wasn't asked to do that. And what he did freed up opportunities for Chase Winovich. Now, Chase Winovich was a hell of a player in his own right. But it was made, in part, possible by Rashawn Gary. So, it, it it's not just two guys trying to, you know, hurriedly get to the quarterback, necessarily. They're asked to do different things. There's a reason why the anchor position in Michigan's defense is different than the edge position, which is what Chase played. Now... If I was to pick a five-star, can't-miss prospect to come into Michigan, I would probably lean more towards getting that edge guy than the anchor, the weak side compared to the strong side. But I, I, I don't think you could go wrong with either. And I think that's where it's like, this is why Michigan fans also should be extremely excited about Braden McGregor. No, he's not yet a five-star, but by 24-7 sports uh, proprietary rankings... He is in that range at 28. At once they once they finalize their rankings at the end of the year, uh, or at the end of the recruiting cycle, the top 32 will be five stars. So if he stays where he's at at 28, he will be a five star. So that that would be where where I would go with it. Um, behind that, I'll give you another because we have a little bit of time to fill compared to a normal mailbag day. I think I would continue to be on defense and probably go linebacker, particularly middle linebacker if possible. That's where why it kind of stung when Ohio State got Baron Browning. Granted, Browning didn't, you know, he, he wasn't a, a huge presence yet. He's young, though. And I've read some things where Ohio State uh, writers have said, you know, he, he didn't live up to what was expected yet. But, I mean, it's oh so early. I don't think it wasn't like they were calling him a disappointment. It was just like mm, we thought maybe he would have been a little bit more ready to go uh, than he is. But middle linebacker would probably be where I would also look for a five star. Uh, and then on the other end, you know, running back probably might be a place where like, I was going to say wide receiver, uh, but I think running back might be more because I mean Michigan hasn't had a. I mean, they've had five-star running backs, but that have not worked out. They've had multiple, unfortunately. So I guess maybe that's not, but like if you if it was a can't-miss, like you said, a five-star can't-miss prospect. So like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to bring up this name and people aren't going to like me for it, but Najee Harris. You bring up Najee Harris, who <laughs> fans aren't going to like this, but he told Michigan basically he was coming. You can thank uh, the recruiting efforts by Tua Tagovailoa and Army All-American Week for helping secure that for Alabama. I don't know that he told Michigan that he was coming necessarily. Well, I do. I, I know a lot, but like he really more so told uh, 
he told a lot of the other prospects that he was coming. Like, it was happening. But if it was a guy like Najee, it would be yes. Obviously, Michigan's had, I mean, you can go back, Kevin Grady, five-star, didn't work. Derek Green, five-star, didn't work. Ty Isaac, five-star, was okay, but never ended up looking like that five-star that you expected him to be. So, I mean, it has to be that can't miss, but, you know, I think, I don't think it has to be necessarily be a five-star. You look at a guy like Zach Charbonnet, he's four-star, basically a five-star in my eyes as far as, like, his style and level of play. So, that varies. So, I spent a lot of time on James's question, so we're going to go ahead and move on. I might even have to move one of these back to segment number two. Let's see. Josh Barr at Jadicky. Prediction time, who makes the offensive and defensive plays of the year? Overall offensive and defensive MVPs, have you ever been to the College World Series? Not only have I never been to the College World Series, I have never watched an entire College World Series game. I like baseball. That was my sport growing up. Uh, I grew up an only child to a single mother who was raised out in the middle of nowhere in Holly, Michigan. And... I, you know, it was like Little House on the Prairie because I was growing up. In, uh, I grew up at uh, my grandparents' place and they had like this really, they had a ton of land. So I'd like go out there and uh, I actually got really good at baseball, but I used to just sit there and play by myself. And you could see me like going out there. I have a wild and active imagination and I still do. Uh, and I have no shame as far as being ridiculous like i don't care what other people think really of me i kind of dance to my own drummer a lot of time uh so like i you know i would be like at like 12 oaks mall in novi with my mom shopping after church and i'd be sitting there in front of the mirror like pretending to pitch right like full stance you know lift the left leg up really extend you know but that's also why i got really not i'm not gonna say good but why i was able to throw really really hard I was like 13 years old throwing a 70 mile an hour fastball had zero control. <laughs> Not saying that's like, if you, if you're like, wow, that's unimaginable. It's like, yeah, guess what? I had zero control. I was put into a game once and I hit so many kids after I hit two home runs in the game, which was the first and only time that happened in a game. And then I ended up hitting so many kids that, uh, we lost the game. I accounted for all the RBIs, but we lost the game because I hit so many kids and they wouldn't take me out. I don't know why. And it, like, I just kept on hitting kid after kid after kid after kid. And it, you'd think that the ump would have just been like, seriously, you can't, you can't let this guy pitch anymore. And because I threw like 70 miles an hour, it was just heartbreaking. I still like remember. It's just, it's, I still like, both of it was a fond memory for the sake of like yeah I hit, I hit two home runs it's like a sad memory because i hit so many kids and i made every single one of them cry nonetheless baseball was my sport that was my point like i care, grew up caring about baseball more than anything else but back when i was younger we didn't get espn or anything like that so i couldn't watch something like the college world series and then now it's like i have a hard time even paying attention to pro baseball maybe it's because the tigers are terrible right now I mean, even when they're not like, and, and I kind of listen to baseball more than I watch it. I think that's uh, more of the uh, something that 
kind of resonates with me more is hearing it. Uh, going back to like the Ernie Harwell of it all. Um, all right. So that was the long answer to the most inconsequential question that uh, you asked there, Josh. But uh, as far as offensive and defensive plays of the year, who makes them? Um, offensive, I think it's going to be, I mean, I, it, I mean, ultimately I would probably say Shea Patterson, but I'm going to say that you're going to see the most, like the craziest play, like that Amara Darbo against BYU one-handed catch type play. I, I'm going to go ahead and give that to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I just think that he's going to have some kind of freak athletic play because I think he's the most freakish athlete on the team. Uh, aside from, I mean, there's some incoming ones that are freak athletes, obviously, like Giles Jackson or whatever, but uh, Ambry Thomas is obviously a freak athlete. So with that in mind, defensive player, uh, pl- who makes the offense, or sorry, the defensive play of the year? Oh, that one's a lot harder. That one is a lot harder. I'm going to say Josh Metellus. I think he's just really coming on. Um, offensive MVP, well, I'm going to give that to Shea Patterson. Defensive MVP. Hmm. I kind of want to give it to Carlo Kemp. I think he's just going to be quietly great. I think that's that. All right. We are past the time that I thought, so this might actually work out since I am just super talkative in the morning for the first time in history. So we're going to push Clint Derringer. Uh, you're still part of the leaders and best, but I'm pushing you to segment two, unfortunately. Uh, sorry, Clint, but uh, running out of time in segment one. But remember, uh, shirts shouldn't wrinkle, itch or sweat. It is 2019. Twillery makes stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and a perfect fit. Guaranteed. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each when you bundle four or more. With free shipping and returns, try on some twills. Rick's, Rick's free? Must have Rick and Morty on the mind. Risk-free after all feeling is believing. Smart Casual just got smarter and cheaper. Twillery brings performance workers to the next level with four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keeps you looking and feeling cool. For as low as $55 a pop when you bundle four or more in free shipping slash returns, it's top value in smart workwear. Grab them here. W-W dot, www dot rather. Twillery, T-W-I-L-L-O-R-Y dot com slash locked on. Promo code for $25 is locked on. Limited time Father's Day special. Enjoy a free set of bottle opener collar stays. Valid only until, well, you got two days. Uh, that's uh, June 16th. Wubba lubba dub dub. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Back and uh, we got four questions left. Um, let's see. I might, I might end up pushing this whole thing to 28 minutes even with uh, six questions. Doubtful, but 
here we go. Clint Derringer, still one of our leaders and best. I mean, not everyone in segment one is necessarily always leaders and best, and not everyone leaders and best is always in segment one. But the three that we got here are people who ask questions on a regular basis every single week. So miss some people out there. Jason Howlett used to be used to be a number one. Dude dropped off the map, asked a question like once every two months now. Uh, kind of surprised we didn't get, uh, oh, I'm blanking. Uh, that's, it's, it, I might be awake and talkative and feel like more awake right now than I usually do, but, uh, I, that doesn't mean my memory works, but there's a couple people that ask multiple questions, uh, every week. Uh, so we did not get necessarily that, but Clint Derringer is back and he asked, can you give one optimistic prediction for the coming football season and one pessimistic prediction? Ceiling and floor, so to speak. Worst case, 9-4 with all three rivalry, rivalry losses and a bowl loss. Best case, big champs, college football playoff berth. I can, and I will. Um, so, optimistic prediction. This is something I've already said. Uh, I don't know if I said it in a one of these, but... Optimistic prediction is that Shea Patterson will break the Michigan single season passing record. And I think it's going to be pretty substantially broken. Because I think he has all the tools physically. I think he has all the tools personnel-wise. He's going to have all the tools as far as the people calling the plays. I... I Michigan's single-season passing record is a much lower number than you would think. It's like 3,300 or something like that. I, I'm not going to look it up right now because it will crash my uh, recording program here. But it's um, – I don't think it's any – it's not any more than 3,500. It's like 30 – it's seriously like 3,300. I, I mean, when you look at – I mean, Jake Rudock has the second – the second most passing yards in a single season for Michigan football with 3,000. That should tell you something. So maybe that's not like a huge prediction. But uh, some have been relatively close. But I think that Shea ends up having the single season passing record. Because I don't think Michigan's going to limit him to throwing for under 300 yards a game. He didn't throw for more than 300 after having multiple 300-yard games. And even a couple 400-yard games at Ole Miss. Uh, Pessimistic prediction. Uh, I am going to go with... And it's not terribly pessimistic, but it's pessimistic nonetheless. Michigan slides from being a top four defense, which it's been every single year in Jim Harbaugh, to being, I I, I want to say top ten, but I'm going to go ahead and just add another step just to just to satiate this question and say top fifteen. They're not going to slide out of the top fifteen, in my opinion. That's what why I disagree a lot with what Justin Rose has to say about like this game coming up. By the way, this Michigan State game because. You sit there and you say you look at matchups, but you're not looking at where Michigan is as a team. And I understand there's a lot of unknowns, but there's just as many unknowns with Michigan State, for instance. Like, he's like, well, the offense should be better. But that's an unknown, right? Like, you don't, you didn't see it last year. Suddenly it's going to be just better just by virtue of because. It should be, yes. Better, I mean, anything's basically better than what Michigan State's offense was last year. Um, But uh, Michigan, on the other hand, it's... There are less questions there, right? Like you were, yeah, you return everybody, and now you know. But now, and 
unlike Brian Lewerke, for instance, Shea Patterson was new last year to the Michigan scheme, Michigan program. And you can sit there and say, like, new offensive coordinator. Yeah, but that new offensive coordinator is more, it's more of like, let's play to what you can do, what you already know what to do. The things that you did at Ole Miss, let's do that here, but do it better. You know? But defense, I think, might take a slight step back. Slight. Um, Ceiling for this team. I mean, I think you actually kind of nailed it. Best case, 11-1, 12-0. Big Ten champs. College football playoff berth. I don't know if I can go as far as saying that they could win it all. Because I just, I have to see everything come together. 2016's team, I think still, like, I look back, I still think that that team could have won it all. I know they had three losses. If they would have won at Ohio State, which, I mean, they essentially did, just it didn't count. <laughs> if they would have won, like, actually won one, you know, then I think that they would have been motivated. But they were not motivated against Florida State. You could see it in my eyes. I, I just did not look like a motivated team. It was like, let's get this over with. Worst case, yeah, I'd say nine and four is probably worst case. I don't, I don't think that they can get much. I can give them eight and five. I, I think that would be like insane debacle. Like that might be pretty much fire Harbaugh at that point. Like I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm being dramatic because I don't think that's actually a, a deal. But like with the amount of talent. The Michigan returns, but I mean, they're, it's a difficult schedule. It's just all at home. Like you can read my thing on Wolverine's wire about confidence level. And there's a lot of little tricky spots. Army is a tricky spot. Obviously the three rivalry games, uh, you know, you never know with Penn state and Wisconsin, even though I feel pretty confident they can get both those games. Iowa's coming to the big house and they're going to be a lot to contend with. Indiana, I, I don't care what, like I got a, like an angry, just like an, or more of annoyed tweet directed at me about how, uh, about, uh, how I had the second lowest confidence level in the Indiana game. It's not that I don't think they'll win the game, but it's just like, it's that they won't win the game. But I mean, it's the week before Ohio state, like it was last year, Indiana's got everybody returning and their defense wasn't as good last year as it should have been, and it probably will be better. And Indiana just seems to have Michigan's number, and it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, do I think Michigan will win? Of course. But I think it will be extremely uncomfortable because it's always extremely uncomfortable. And that's why I have low confidence in it, because one of these days, Michigan's going to fly too close to the sun, and it's going to get burnt. I don't think it's necessarily going to be this year, but that's why it gives me low confidence. Uh, yeah, I think Michigan will go in against Penn State and be able to take care of business, but I think a big part of that is because Penn State will always have Michigan's full attention. Indiana will have Michigan's attention, but maybe not full attention, especially if it's the week before Ohio State. So, you know what? We're going to end up getting... <laughs> it's We're going to have to push the transfer stuff. We're, we're going to have to do that tomorrow. Yeah, there will be a Saturday episode because I still have three questions left. 
And uh, we got to go to a break already. I took one one question for an entire segment. So uh, good work, guys, for the guys that actually did ask questions. That's exciting. Uh, you did a good job uh, with uh, getting me talking. But remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Wolverines on the new Himalaya podcast app and an ever-expanding podcast world. You need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Wolverines. All right. I guess we're finishing out with three more questions. I never thought a six-question mailbag would take up an entire half hour, but I'm tangenting a lot, and I feel like giving more breadth to what you're asking. So exciting for me. Very excited about it. Trent Noop, who essentially is another one of our leaders and best, asks, what was your favorite Michigan game you've seen? Now, do you mean in person or do you mean on TV? In person, it in person, it's definitely it's unfortunate because it's a loss. But in person, it's it's definitely the 2013 Ohio State game because Michigan had no business being in that game. I remember arguing with Ohio State fans before the game. And I was there as a fan. Arguing with Ohio State fans before the game. You know, it's a tie between that one and the Notre Dame 2013 game because that was my first Under the Lights game and that just had a magical feel. And uh, Devin Gardner was amazing, um, as he was in the tw- in the Ohio State game. But Michigan had no business being in that game. Ohio State fans were talking trash, saying, like, saying, like, well, you know, when we, you know, when we end up going to, uh, when, you know, whatever the BCS championship game was that year, which didn't end up happening because they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game. But, I mean, it was just, it, it had a special feeling. And, again, Michigan can't catch a break. Devin Gardner doesn't break his foot in the, early in the second half. Then... How how different is everything? I mean, but, you know, that might also mean Brady Hoke ended up having a job still because he would have ended up being 2-2 two and two against Ohio State if uh, that happened. And, I mean, yeah, maybe I guess you obviously take that. But, I mean, I don't know that you leave the program. I, don't, I think the program is better off now. So that's kind of a weird catch-22, right? Because the program is better off because of the woes that Michigan had suffered from 2008 to 2011. Uh, sorry, not 2011, 2014. Um, I think that because it wasn't just necessarily on the field. Like, yeah, there was like a good year in 2011. Some of those other years were disappointing, but not terrible. But, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that think Rich Rod should still be, you know, the coach in a lot of ways and wish they would have they would have had a better chance. And that might be true that he should have had a better chance to do something here, but at the same time, uh I think Michigan's program is in a better spot with Jim Harbaugh at the helm. So I have reasons for that. I'm not gonna get into that because I've already spent forever talking about this. But my favorite game that I've seen otherwise, well, I can add 
Okay, so here's the ones on TV that are my favorites. I can't remember any game specifically that I watched previous to like 2006. Um, well, I can say 2004. I can remember. I can't remember any regular season games before like 2004, or whatever. I can remember the bowl games. I don't remember anything before that. I watched Michigan throughout my entire life. I just don't. I just don't have a strong recollection because football, like I said, was earlier was baseball was my thing. Football, I was more of a Lions fan until I went back to school in 2004. That's like 2006 was actually the year that I became more of a Michigan fan than a Lions fan. Um, by virtue of me finally going to a game because I did not go to a game until my junior year then. I did not go in 99 when Tom Brady was the quarterback. I lived really close and I could hear everything happening at the uh, at Michigan Stadiums. I lived in Fletcher Hall. and uh, But I still didn't go. I didn't get tickets. Uh, I didn't even try for the next two years because I didn't know season tickets were for students were cheap. I assumed that they were like $1,000 or a couple thousand dollars like, you know, going to a Lions game and then I'd still, even 2006, I didn't get uh, student tickets. I just, I went on eBay and bought tickets to the Wisconsin game. My buddy made me trade them in for student tickets to a scalper. And, uh, and then I was like, why have I been going to this? And it's so inexpensive. So what's my deal? Um, nonetheless, um, the other one, the ones that are favorites otherwise that I've seen are on TV would be 2000, another loss, 2006 Ohio State. Because that just felt grand. And I had a big, big party at my apartment in Ann Arbor for it. And uh, obviously, I mean, everything was on the table there. And uh, 2011 Notre Dame, which is the game I've seen more than any other game. Because I used to just rewatch it constantly. So, especially the end. Those are my favorites. Can't just pick one. Unfortunately, like, there's not like one. One moment, and I can't say 2011 Ohio State. Ohio State was down. It just does, doesn't. That's why I don't understand Michigan State fans that celebrate the 2008 Michigan State win over Michigan. It's like you beat a team that ended up going three and nine, or whatever it was. And you really celebrate it like it was like the Super Bowl. I don't get it. We are over time. Jeez. All right, I'm still answering the final question, so no, never fear. But I can't believe it took 30 minutes to answer four questions. Michael Wolf at MWolf21. Harbaugh seems to be uh, less animated on the sidelines. Have you noticed? Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the new, the penalty that comes from Coach Antics being a 15-yard penalty mixed with what happened in the 2016 game when he did get a 15-yard penalty, which I thought was a little much at the time. Still do. So he doesn't want to cost his team. So he's being a team player, essentially. And it's funny because he gets criticized for both not being more animated. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but he gets criticized for not being more animated and also uh, for being, he, he, you know, he, people are like, you know, you need to be less animated. Also, it, this is why the team isn't fired up is because you're not more animated. Makes no sense. Jimbo Wink to finish this out at Jimbo Wink 1. What does Don Brown's defense look like to respond to Ryan Day's perform performance last year? And can you reemphasize how little zone slash man matter when you're facing an All-American QB and not pressuring him? 
I think it will look a lot more like the 2016 where they'll try to throw in some zone, but they'll do it half on the field and uh, keep on changing it to confuse whoever the quarterback is while trying to contain him because it's Justin Fields and so he's probably going to be running. Uh, And yes, you're 100% right. How little zone slash man matter when you're facing a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who's the best quarterback Ohio State has ever had with some of the fastest receivers in the entirety of college football. And if the, the fact is Dwayne Haskins is not good when being pressured, but Michigan just couldn't get pressure up front. And you can chalk that up to some injury issues and the fact that Ohio State's extremely good offensive line that had not been extremely good all year, but look, you know, they've got two draft picks, Michael Jordan, Isaiah Prince. Those other guys are really good too. They just hadn't come together. They happened to come together for their best game in the game in which Michigan fans would hope that they wouldn't. Yeah. Michigan just was not able to get the pressure. If Michigan was able to get the pressure, that game is different because that was the whole thing. They were ready. Ohio State had spent extra preparation knowing they knew where the blitz was coming from at all times. Michigan did a terrible job being original and disguising it. They were fully prepared for it. So Don Brown's going to have to save some stuff or have counters to the things that he does show throughout the year instead of instead of doing what he did. But that you're right. That is a huge part as to why the defense did not work. Actually, that's the biggest reason because that's where everything is predicated in Don Brown's defense. Get pressure up front everything else will take care of itself i am shocked that six questions got us through this and i wish i could have spent more time on that but uh tomorrow we'll talk about transfers i think we'll probably i'll probably elucidate a little bit on the i want to respond more to what justin rose said about michigan state so i think i want to get into that i hope you enjoyed that show by the way and again i love justin love 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 justin he's a dear friend of mine so um don't be too mean to him and I know he gives it back, but, re- you know, regardless, he's a great guy. So for the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at on Wolverines, Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you would like to be a feature sponsor on the show, please email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. You can find us on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or online at WolverinesWire.usatoday.com, where we post our daily podcasts uh, just about every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Locked On Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.